thank you for being here tonight. And um, as we enter this time of the service, um, I want us to focus in heavily on what all of this means. Um, and I truly believe that um, there are times, man, where we need to be just ruckus and clanging cymbals and loud noise. You know, the, heaven's going to be a loud place. I, I, I don't know if you know that. Just go read the Hebrew hymn book, the Psalms, and go to the latter Psalms and see what the Bible says about those who worship the Lord. And so I believe that. And I believe that there are times for that. But I also believe that the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. And there are times for us to focus in. Um, and I think in this day of heavy media and um, you know, cell phones and us having instant communication right before us. I mean, we're just so used to it. You see, I don't even carry an order of service with me anymore. But tonight I was preoccupied with pulling up the order of service on our planning center, which is an app on the phone, and I couldn't get it to work. And so I was lost, and I didn't know what was the last song before I got up to preach because I didn't have that. And here I was trying to focus in on all of that, and I missed half the service, okay? And so I think what I'd like us to do is just focus on in as we get ready to go into the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper calls for it to be a time of solemn reflection, um, a solemn time to examine ourselves, to remember what Christ has done, and to look forward to His coming. So I want you to focus in with me for just a few moments. Take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And let's stand together as we read this. I've titled the message tonight, Christmas Joy. Christmas Joy. Because if you look at the story of these shepherds, there's so much theology in this passage of Scripture. And I have preached on different aspects of, 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 the, of the theological truths that have been presented in this passage of Scripture over 30 plus years of being a pastor. I've never preached on joy for Christmas out of this text, but it's full of it right here in this text. And so this text is rich with so many things. Each and every year, I try to pull something new out of this passage because every time I study it, I'm like, oh man, I'd like to talk about that, or I'd like to talk about this, or I'd like to talk about that, and there's not enough time. So I put it off and I make myself a note, maybe next year, maybe next year, and I never saw the complete joy that was in here that I see now. And uh, so I didn't write that note last year, maybe next year, I saw it this year. So something fresh and new. So Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I mean, we could, we could preach a whole message just on that sentence right there. What they were as shepherds and what we're to be, those of us who are shepherds, and, and what their role was and, and, and their responsibilities. But anyway, that's not what the message is tonight. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Remember yesterday morning we talked about it? Every time Satan shows up, people remain afraid. But when God shows up, he alleviates the fear, right? Look at what he says here. It says they were, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, the word for clothes there is is the word swaddling clothes, which literally means the clothes that you wrap corpses in. Sort of like what you and I would think of in the modern day of a mummy. The way they wrapped people and prepared people for burial was to wrap them individually, wrap their, their limbs and wrap each limb and wrap the body and, and, and so forth and so on. And as you, as you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, that's what, when they buried him, that's what they prepared his body with. And when they came in to see that he was gone, they saw the clothes that he was wrapped in as though there was a body in it, but it had flattened. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't just a blanket that was over him. And this is what they wrapped him in. You're going to find the baby Jesus, the Lord of the earth, wrapped in dead people's clothes. That's how he came into the world. So he says here, you will find that. Here, this will be the sign. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. In essence, what they had experienced, which were just as they had been told. Just as they had been told. We'll talk to you today about Christmas joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can find true joy because of what happened here all those years ago. And we pray in Christ's name, amen and amen. All right, let's jump right into it. Christmas joy, what is it? Well, first of all, Christmas joy, the first thing it does is it abolishes fear. It abolishes fear. In verses 9 and 10, you see where it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. They were terrified. And as we just read, but the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And if you look at this context here, man, the rest of this story is is about joy. It's about what they found. It's about peace. It's about the heavenly host and those singing, praising God. And so the first thing I want you to see when joy comes into our life, when we have Christmas joy, is it abolishes fear. It abolishes fear. I don't know if they can put that up there. Um, put back the, um, not the passage of Scripture, but the, uh, the main point. There we go. Christmas joy. It abolishes fear. Listen, we talked about it the other day, but fear can do terrible things to people. Fear causes people to try to, try to uh, uh, hide their pain with substances behavior, 
All kinds of things. Some people just put their head down and work and work and work, and they become workaholics, and because they're, they're afraid of not succeeding or something to that effect. Fear causes us to do a lot of crazy things. Let me ask you something. Have you ever kind of been afraid in the dark before? I mean, I'm not saying as an adult, maybe as a kid, you know. I've been afraid in the dark as an, as an adult. I've gotten over that, and I, I, those things don't scare me as long as I have a flashlight and a gun, okay? If I have those things, I'm pretty good. But fear can make you do crazy things. I remember years ago, I mean, I was 29 when I first came to pastor here, and I walked into this building. It was uncompleted. We had no electricity in here, and I came to find something, and, um, and I brought my flashlight with me, and I got in here, and my flashlight didn't work and I got I got disoriented turned around it was on one of those moonless nights I think it was cloudy outside and man I I thought I heard something it might have been a mouse I don't know what it was but I ran over saws and all kinds of stuff that were on this floor just wiping out over all these things then I went and I got back into the building over here and somebody had come behind me and turned all the lights off in that building you know what I did I ran outside (laughs) Fear will make you do crazy things. But when you receive the joy of Christ, the joy of Christ, He eradicates, He abolishes true fear in your heart and gives you joy. Look, tonight, one of our dear members, Ms. Jen, is sitting with her father who's in home hospice care and he's at the end of life. And he's going through the end of life cycle that they know very well what happens and how it it goes and he's very close to crossing into the onto the other into the other side and you know what this family's not afraid they're not afraid because they have christ they know what the end result's going to be they know that one day too they'll be in that position and one day they'll see him again they know where he's going they know all of that and so because of christ and christmas they have joy they're not happy about the circumstance and situation but they have deep abiding joy that gives them the confidence to know where their loved one is going and that one day they're going to meet him and see him again see that's Christmas joy, it abolishes fear. Number two, Christmas joy is at its highest when the gospel is being presented or shared. It's at its highest when the gospel is being presented or shared. We read it earlier, but in verse 10 again, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you, what? Good news. What does that mean? What's, what does that mean? What, what, what does good news mean in this context? Gospel. That's what it means. The the gospel is defined as good news. I bring you the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Christmas joy is at its highest when the gospel is being presented. Because we have the answer for mankind. Do you realize that? You realize that we don't have the answer for cancer? And should we try? As hard as we can to eradicate it, absolutely. We don't have the answer for ALS, which is a debilitating, horrific disease. We don't have the answer for so many ailments that other people have. I mean, my mother-in-law died at 57 years old 
of a disease called amyloidosis. I noticed today where a former football player and broadcaster and all of that, Matt Millen, was having surgery to have a heart transplant. This great football player who's 60 years old now, and he was having a heart transplant because of the disease called amyloidosis, which attacks your major organs. Yes, do we want a cure for those things? Absolutely. But one thing that we'll never have a cure for medically, and that is the cure for sin. Jesus is a cure for sin. And when we share the good news of the gospel, we can have joy even in the worst of circumstances. Right? I've been with several people over the years who have lived a horrific life, lived a life that was ungodly, and had lots of regrets. And for some reason or another, they were in a position to know that they only had a few days or a few hours left on this earth. And they wanted to talk to somebody who could lead them in a spiritual way to where they needed to go. And they wanted to make it right with God. And they asked, Pastor, can God forgive me at this late moment in time in my life? And I took them to the gospel presentation where Jesus was hanging on the cross with two thieves. And and one of them reviled Jesus and the other said, Lord, would you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Does God forgive people on their deathbed who turn and repent to Him and receive the good news of the gospel? You bet He does. He saves them and He forgives them and He changes their heart in an instant. That's the good news. That's the joy of Christmas. It's at its highest when the gospel is being presented. Number three, Christmas joy pursues the presence of God. Pursues the presence of God. Verses 15 through 16. Look at what they did when they found out about this. When When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go, man. Let's roll. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. And it says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And they heard about the Savior of the earth, the Savior of the world, and they were told about it. And they didn't hang around and say, I don't know. I don't know if we need to go. I don't know if we need to do all of that. No, what they did was they pursued what had been made known to them. And they wanted to go after it. And they didn't want to waste any time. And they responded to it. They responded to what God had presented and they went. And they pursued it. Christmas joy pursues the presence of God. You want joy in your heart, joy in your life? you got to pursue the presence of God. you got to go where God is. You've got to do what God is doing. you got to do what He says to do. You want joy in your heart? The place to go is not happy hour on a Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever time those things happen at some bar room. That's not happy hour. That's death hour. That's satanic hour. I'll tell you when happy hour is. Happy hour is whenever the people of God are meeting every week to worship God or to study God's Word where His presence is there. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. So Christmas joy pursues the presence of God. I tell you, there's just some places I don't want to go and I don't want to be a part of because I don't find the presence of God to be there. Now, there are some times that God wants you to be there to be a witness for certain things. 
to be a light in the darkness. But I've never had anybody say, Pastor, would you come with me to the ballroom because I want to witness to all my friends. Never had that said before. No. So Christmas joy pursues the presence of God. Number four, and I have one more after that. Christmas joy spreads to other people. Verses 17 through 19, we read it just a minute ago, but look at what it says again. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary, even though she had seen all of this, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It spreads to other people. Man, I'll tell you something. Listen. Pessimism and a bad attitude and unbelief will spread among other people like a cancer. But I'll tell you something else that will spread too on the other side of that. And that's the joy of Christ when there's a true born-again Christian in a work environment that says no to the things of the world, yes to the things of God. This is how I want to live. I'm telling you, not everybody's going to want it, but it's going to spread to some people. They're going to see it. They're going to know the difference. And some are going to come to you and say, hey, what is it that you have? It It will spread to other people. It will. And other people will catch it. (laughs) And God will be moving. That's how I got saved. Those group of people in my community that I knew, people that were surrounding my life that had gotten saved and, and it was real for them. And they were spreading that and they were sharing it and they were living it. And at first I rejected it but, it, but it's amazing how over just a short period of time the Word of God was working in my heart. And because of that, I couldn't help it. And it spread to me too. It spreads to other people. And then number five, Christmas joy never gets over the things Christ has done for them. Never gets over those things. Look at verse 20. I love this. The shepherds return, glorifying and praising God. It's all they could talk about. For all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Laid their eyes the Savior of the world, the Messiah that these shepherds, these Jewish, uh, Jewish, these Jewish, Jewish shepherds were told about the Messiah. And said, he's coming, God's going to send the Messiah one day. And they laid eyes on him. Just as the angels had told them, just as, as it had been revealed to them, they went and they saw. They were never the same. They couldn't get over it. They, they just went on praising God. They weren't talking about their sheep and, you know, well, I got one that's doing this and I got one that's doing that. And, man, I'm proud of this and I'm proud of that one. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be good shepherds. But what they had experienced so transformed their lives that it was more important to them than anything else. Knowing the Messiah and experiencing the presence of the Son of God. It never gets old and you never get over the things of Christ has done for you listen if you grow out of being fired up for god in your heart something's wrong something's wrong now listen i'm not saying that we're going to always be on top of the mountain and i'm not saying we're going to always respond correctly but i'm telling you as a general rule 
your life should be on a trajectory spiritually like this. Now, when you get real close to it, you know, if you, if you, if you look back and you, you, you get back far away from a line, it looks straighter than what it really is, right? You ever uh, put an address in something and you, go, you, know, you, you put it in Google now and, and you, you know, for, like on your phone for your GPS. And I, I know I've done this, like when I went hunting in Missouri, I put it in there and I've been there four or five times now. So I, I know the route, but I still put it in there. I want to know how much time, how, you know, all of that. And when you look at it from Florida to Missouri, it looks almost straight across like that going north west but then as you zoom in closer there's a lot of turns here and there man when you go through the mountains there you know you go through chattanooga and it goes it goes north and then it goes south and then it goes west and it goes back east and then you're up and down over the mountain and then when you get in missouri you go over these little roads and here and there and you're all over the place and when you zoom in it's not as straight as it looks well but yet there's a trajectory it's taken me from point A to point B. Well, in my walk with Christ and in my Christian maturity, I should have a trajectory along the way sometimes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have some mishaps, and I'm going to sin, and I'm going to get off track for a second. But when you look at my life as a whole, we should be seeing this in all of our lives. We should be growing closer to Him, gaining in wisdom and in, and in strength, not moving away from Him. And if you have the Christmas joy of Christ in you, it never gets old. You never forget what He's done for you. And you want to be closer to Him than you ever have been. Listen, there have been times in my life where I've felt closer to God than what I do now sometimes. But that doesn't change how He feels about me and how I feel about Him. Because see, my relationship with Him is not based on a feeling. It's based on faith. And what he did for me and my response to him. You never get over the things Christ has done. See, that's why you can have a grateful heart. That's why Christians who mature over time and bad things happen to them, they don't get bitter, they get better. Oh, they have times where they have to lick their wounds and they need to rest and they need to go off by themselves and they need to, to heal. Get it. I got it. Know it. Yep, you have to do it. But for the most part, when they come out of that time of healing where God's spoken to them and dealt with them and got them through these difficult times, they're back on track and they're getting better and stronger for Him. <coughs> Christmas joy. I don't know about you, but that's the Savior I serve. And that's who I want to live for. And that's what He wants for you and for me. You can have that in your life. You don't have to leave here tonight being defeated, frustrated. If you do it God's way and you live for Him and you trust Him, He will see you through it. And His joy will be there even in the midst of difficult things. I don't talk about this a lot, but I probably think the greatest pain that I've ever experienced in my life was when my little grandbaby died. Little bitty baby, lived two days. His mother and father were holding him. And just our immediate family were in that little room. And I watched him take those last breaths. And he passed from this life into the next. Man, that's painful. 
to see a baby, to, to see a baby take their last breath. It's hard to see anybody do that, but boy, that's hard. And then it'd be your own flesh and blood. Whew, that's another. Oh, it's, it can't, even, can't even describe the kind of pain. But not one time did I feel hopeless. Not one time did I feel helpless. Not one time did I feel like God had ever taken His joy away from me. And I knew it wasn't the end for us and for Colby. It was the beginning for him in eternity. And it was the beginning of a new day for us to love God even more. And even in the midst of that great pain, I can still feel the joy of Christ. See, joy is not happiness. It's the inner confidence that God is in control. And He will be there with you. And He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And while things happen that hurt and you don't understand, He understands. He will bring glory to Himself. And you can trust Him in that. And you can be joyful in that. See, and that brings us to the Lord's Supper tonight. Facing death, Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. Was he happy about it in his flesh? Nope. It was so hard for him that he sweated great drops of blood the bible says the capillaries under his skin and i am not a doctor didn't even play one on tv but you know i can only imagine how bad it was for him and what he went through i mean what, what kind of anguish must a person must a person be in so much anxiety that they begin to sweat blood i know people have ulcers and you know Blood has a way of finding its way out of the body, and it's an indication something's wrong on the inside, but can you imagine blood coming out from everywhere? He went through a lot of suffering. But while he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Never once was there bitterness. Never once was there hatred, because he's God and he never sinned. And there was joy in him because that's who he is, as God. And that same power that Jesus had, we can have. And so just remember this. So we celebrate the good news of this baby coming into the world. It's an exciting time. Think about this. When a baby's born into a family, and it changes that family, doesn't it? Isn't it awesome? Isn't it exciting? I remember my grandfather passed away, and on the same day, my sister brought home her firstborn child. God took one to be with him, and he gave us another one. And we were happy for that little one. But we know that's short-lived, right? Because that little one's going to grow up in, into a world. And it's going to have to suffer just like all of us. Well, in the same way as we think about Christmas, we must also think about there's a Bethlehem and there's Christmas Day. But there's also Good Friday coming. 
but Easter Sunday's on the way. I think that just rhymed. (laughs) And so tonight, as we get ready to participate in the Lord's Supper, I'm going to ask our worship team to make their way up before we actually participate in the Lord's Supper. It's important for us to have a time of reflection and a time of deep consideration before we participate. If you take your Bibles, you don't have to go there now, but if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about being careful not to receive the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. See, God's desire is for every Christian to participate in the Lord's Supper. Okay? But His desire is so that the Lord's Supper would cause us to do an inventory within our hearts and get right. So that we just don't haphazardly just go through a religious ceremony. We think about the body of Christ. Think about Him being born in Bethlehem. We think about what He had to go through. And then we think about the blood that was shed for us. The blood that was pouring down off of the cross for you and me. And then we ask God, God, is there anything in my life that's unworthy to you? Is there anything in my life that's sinful to you? Is there anything in my life and heart that I need to change? Is there anybody I need to get right with? Is there any sin? Try me, God, and see if there's any wicked way within me. And lead me in the way everlasting, Psalm 139 tells us. So what I want to do before we participate in the Lord's Supper at all is to give you and me an opportunity to do some personal reflection And ask God to reveal these things to you. And if there is something in your life that God reveals, make it right with Him right there. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to what? And to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. And then you can participate in the Lord's Supper because that's what He wants. He wants you this Christmas Eve not to walk away in guilt because God doesn't bring guilt. God brings conviction to get you and me to a point where we get right so that we can be free and have joy in our hearts once again. So that's what the Lord's Supper is designed to do. Spiritual inventory in our hearts and lives. And take serious what's happened and what it costs God to secure our salvation. Okay? So let's do this. Let's stand together as... Marcy leads us in this song. And uh, if you want to come to this altar, this front pew, wherever, or you can do it right where you are. Just ask God to search you and make things right with Him.